This meeting is being recorded. Leave meeting. <laughs> it was Don't an leave. option. <laughs> Don't leave. It's only you and me. <laughs> Welcome to the Boil Dow Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and there's lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hey, Don. Hey, y'all, I'm Sam. Sam, I knew it was you. Yeah, you're sitting here looking at my beaming face. The little squares that we live with now, the little video squares. It's the Brady Bunch. How's everything with you? Oh, Lord. Everything with me has gotten crazy weird. Um, so, you know we're moving. I know that you hate that we're moving. That's true. <laughs> so we are uh, currently selling off all the stuff that we don't need to live in this house. And then when the time comes to actually move, then we will either quickly try to sell those things that, uh, that we are using, or we will put them out at the road and say free to a good home. Let me ask you something. Does that really nice microphone you have spark joy? Totally sparks joy. Ah, then you can't give it to me. <laughs> yeah, you've got one like it anyway. It's what we started on, Don. <laughs> the, th well, the, yeah. the three of us, when, when we ha would have a guest, uh, the three of us huddled around a lowly microphone. Yeah, Yeti Mike. That's kind of fun. It looks like it came off of a 1949 aircraft carrier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like uh, military equipment. <laughs> this is what uh, Greg gave me for my birthday last year uh, for me to, uh, to use getting started into voiceovers. Well, yeah, it's good. But, you know, this is, I don't feel as bad about you moving. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you're moving and I'm going to hate not seeing you. And it's the, if, we ever go back to live meetings and go into the coffee shop afterwards, which is how this whole uh, boiled out coffee club started is from our conversations at the coffee shop. Yeah. So I will always miss that, but actually I feel kind of confident that we're going to be able to continue. With I think so community. too. And I think it's because you were beaten into a state of acceptance. Yeah, I was beaten into a state of reasonableness. That's that's me. You did not do anything. I mean, I give up once I'm beaten hard enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, this uh, by no means am I happy that we're in the midst of a pandemic. But there is no denying that in the midst of, of really outrageously hard times, even good things can come. There's blessings. And and these have happened. And this is, this is one of them is that, uh, you know, a small one is that you and I were forced to start doing remote recordings for the owl. And, uh, and we have found a way that works, you know, the, the a larger thing that's really good is, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12 step fellowships are now meeting online and look at how much that has increased, um, the accessibility of Alcoholics Anonymous for a ton of people who, for whatever reason, weren't going, stopped going, uh, things like that. Plus, those of us who move away will still be able to visit with people that we got sober with, friends and all that. 
Yeah, I confess, I had a prejudice against online meetings, and I have discussed, and it's it's unfounded. Meetings really do happen. The meeting that I'm running at 5.30 every day, we're going to go to five days a week at the end of this month. Go to nc23.org, look in Meeting Finder for Shivering Denizens Happy Hour, 5.30, Monday through Friday, which is a little bit more manageable for me. But, you know, that's been to have that meeting every single day to be responsible to be there at 5.30 has been a big pain. But at the same time, <laughs> it has been the greatest joy that I've had. To, and it's given my life meaning in that I have to be there so that the meeting can happen. You know, like we talk about 12-step work sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, 12-step work can be just going to a meeting because meetings aren't going to happen if there's not re- recovered alcoholics there. It's true. I mean, the purpose of the meetings originally, my understanding, was so that people would know where to find us. Yeah. And we can't be too anonymous. You know, the, <laughs> the, the idea of, a, of the meeting is so that the newcomers have a place to find us so that we can have those one-on-one conversations with them and help them find the program. It's right. That's right. It gives, gives experience, strength, and hope to new people. And I have watched that continuously, not only for people that are sober and have been sober for a while, but also for new people coming in. And I've watched, I've seen people pick up start chips and begin recovery via Zoom. So I was wrong. It works. The message gets carried. And it's another way to do it. And I, and I absolutely now know that you can sponsor people via video. I mean, it works well. I meet with my sponsor once a week. I do too. Yeah. And we read and I look forward to I'm lifted up. I'm charged up, I, you know, after one of those meetings. You know, I got to share. So I met with my sponsor on Wednesday night uh, this week. We, we had missed the two weeks prior. And then I've also really decreased my meetings such that the Saturday morning men's meeting is the only one that I am committed to doing. And I had missed that one, one of those Saturdays as well. And um, I've been worried about you because you hadn't even been sharing in the meeting. Well, and so, so, and, and yeah, and that, that, that's something we can talk about too. But, uh, but the thing that I, I got talking with Mike, um, my sponsor Wednesday night was something that, that started me on uh, an awareness. And that was, um, he was talking about how, uh, you know, we may not always have the experience with something that someone is bringing to us, a sponsee, for instance. But if I'm connected with the fellowship, it's pretty likely that I know somebody who does have that, that experience. And I can connect that sponsee with that person. Mm -hmm. Or I can relate what I learned from that person when they were going through that experience or things like that. Mm -hmm. So the realization happened that, okay, so I'm not getting current people's current experience right now. I'm not as connected with the fellowship as I I have been. And I'm not up on what people are experiencing right now. So I made a commitment to go to this fantastic meeting. It's not a published meeting, but it's my, my sponsor and his poker buddies and then other people that, that get invited. And they call it the degenerates. And 
A poker it's, game is not a meeting. <laughs> well, this is not a poker game. This is a bunch of guys in recovery uh, who are doing a Zoom meeting because they're not getting together to play poker anymore. And, uh, and they've actually, it's a, it's a meeting, but it's kind of like a hybrid of, it's like everybody, the, the first part of the meeting where, you know, there's a topic and we share, we open with the tools and all that. But then after everybody is shared, because it's usually like six to 10 guys, then it's like everybody turns on their mic and then it's just crosstalk. And it's just like, and it can go wherever. Um, and it can be more talk about what's been shared in the meeting, people double dipping. It can be, it can go to whatever. Um, so I've, I found it, I've, I've been many times, but uh, not consistently. So I went to that Thursday night. And in that meeting is where I, I got aware just how slowly my my alcoholism, my restless irritability, restlessness, irritability, and disc- discontentedness had started to rise, and that is a, as a result of me not being connected to the fellowship. Yeah. You know, I have no desire to drink whatsoever. I am not worried about me getting drunk at all. I'm connected enough. But also, I do have the practices that I have learned in these rooms and in this program. Um, I'm not worried about getting drunk or getting high or anything like that. But my general enjoyment of life was waning. Well, that, Sam, this is one meeting a week. It's yeah. Like, um, so, yes, I could stay sober on one meeting a week, but I can't stay happy on one meeting a week. There you go. <laughs> and I've heard people share this, but it was one of those things that this, this crept into my experience. Um, it was kind of like the, the frog in the pot. Have you never done it? One meeting a week? Yeah. I'm sure I have. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, of course I did. When I was traveling uh, for work, I did a meeting a week and things like that. Um, so, you know, but I've also haven't done one meeting a week for an extended period of time. Like, what are we at? Two and a half months now? So here's the way I that I heard uh, Jim has talked about this. Uh, a, a guy in the program's been sober for a long time and sponsor sponsor. And he said, this is great. This is what, and I think everyone in long-term sobriety goes through this. So you start pulling back on parts of the program that are not convenient and, and kind of pull back to, to the least amount that I can need to do to stay sober and then find out that that doesn't work and then go back. It's kind of a dangerous game, but you know, the, the, the joke way of saying it is cut back on going to meetings until you drink and then add one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard the joke many times and I've heard guys or people share, you know, about that. Um, yeah. And I understand that this is a normal part of recovery too, that activity within the fellowship waxes and wanes for a lot of people. It's well, those of us who don't come back. I'm glad that you're looking at it and adding some more in because because my experience over this has been the opposite. I was doing a meeting every single day, and uh, and it was a chore. And I want to cut back on that. But I've got to say that that has been my anchor, and I've I've been happy. 
through the quarantine. It's crazy. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm so plugged in. <laughs> you know, I, I get that. And the thing that's, a, that's different with, with me in my focus in, during this quarantine time was when I stopped working out with my personal trainer, we went to video sessions and I um, got some additional weights and, and, and set up a, a, a little mini gym in my garage. And so now instead of working out with my trainer three days a week, I've been working out five days a week. And you can, and, I, you've gotten to the point where you can lift with your bare hands, the front end of the van by yourself. Oh, totally, man. <laughs> this working out. You working. should see. No, but it, but it, 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 it is one of those things that I note that um, there's a similarity in there are folks who, who dove into doing something good for themselves yeah. during the quarantine. You dove into a meeting every day at 530. Yes. I dove into doing this exercise five days a week. And then there are other people who have completely pulled back from the program and stopped everything. There are people who have like totally done Netflix and, and potato chips. Um, you can do that for a while. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's an interesting, I don't know, this is totally half-baked. This is just awarenesses that are coming in our conversation, which is, this is how this used to work <laughs> at the coffee shop, yeah, which we're going to get to do someday. I hope so. But I'll probably have to fly back from California to do it. Well, mail me some coffee and I'll mail you some coffee. Well, you know, so seriously, a friend of mine uh, down in um, South Carolina, Hank, he's been on the show. Oh, yeah. He and I will frequently check in with one of the, or the other. One will send a message, coffee, and, uh, and it's in the morning. And so we are, uh, you know, we fix our cup of coffee and then we get on the phone and, and, and we talk for 15, 20 minutes. Um, that's good it's, yeah it's a regular thing so it's interesting how this can really work yeah so um guess what's happening this weekend what's going on don y'all should see his face right now he's kind of got a shifty eyed kind of like a las vegas I'm, no, dealer I'm grin i'm glowing with recovery you I'm, are. I'm, a, I'm almost, can you see through me yet? I'm almost <laughs> warm here. Yeah, sulfur. <laughs> it is my anniversary weekend. It is. It I'm so glad y'all got married. <laughs> Wrong anniversary. Oh, 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 different anniversary. Anniversary of being self-employed. Different anniversary. She told me that she wasn't going to marry an alcoholic. And then she oh. married me. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was uh, six, seven, seven years before I quit drinking, but it was this weekend that I, in fact, it was to, today is a Sunday and we had a big party on Sunday. Right now it's two 30. So we were planning the party. Well, I was inviting people and I changed the guest list for the party to, so that it was going to be filled with people who drank like I drink. Because how to drink properly. Yeah, we had some friends of my wife's that were gonna, you know, some some delicate people coming over. <laughs> people coming over. And I was like, going, man, I want to get drunk. And uh, so I changed the guest list a little bit and invited all these heavy drinkers over there so that so that my drinking wouldn't show 
because what I was doing at the, at the, at the end of my drinking career, I was trying to last two years, I was locked down on it, trying not to be an alcoholic. And so I was in a, a, a what I call iron claw phase. It's like, the, like an iron claw locked down on my drinking so that I wouldn't have to be an alcoholic and I wouldn't have to quit. Mm-hmm. And so it was convenient for me to invite people over who drank a lot so that my drinking wouldn't show. And besides, that makes us normal. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's a it type be, of camouflage. So I, I want to point out to our listeners that this was the late 1900s, right? <laughs> it was uh, 1994. So. <laughs> it was 1990. It was 1994. But it was 19. Uh, yeah, well, it was, it, was a, it was a while back, but I always relive it on this day. And mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock today, I will feel, or about 7 o'clock today, I will feel it because that's when the party was over. And during that party, I had gone into the kitchen to get some snacks. I went out and sat down on the back patio and everybody was gathered around there. Everybody had beer and everything. My son, who was six, popped up from across the patio, came over and sat right beside me. And my uh, neighbor said, you know, he watches every move you make. Mm. And that just shot through me like a bolt. It was like, he, he sees everything. He can see that I'm completely addicted to alcohol. And I don't, that's like lifted the veil and I could see myself absolutely clearly that I was only pretending like I had some control over this. I had no control over it. And I was going, I'm fucked. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And I was real quiet the rest of the night. And then... <laughs> Everybody left and my wife was sitting in the bedroom and I went in the bedroom and sat next to her on the bed and said, I'm going to go to AA tomorrow. I'm going to quit. And she was like, what? <laughs> it's like, what she did. You meant? can't do that. That means I've married an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was in Al-Anon. She was so completely let go of me that it took her by surprise. Yeah. And she was just like wide eye going, oh, Lord, she tells me now. It's like she was going, well, here we go. This is going to be quite a roller coaster ride. And, man, it was. <laughs> I called up um, uh, my friend, Philip, who's now my sponsor. He had been sober for two years. He took me to a meeting on Monday. And that, I tell you, that Monday was the longest day of my life, waiting for that eight o'clock meeting all day long. I was like, Oh God, am I going to do this? What meeting was it? It was, uh, was it two? It wasn't called Big Book Two at the time, but it was in the same place where Big Book Two meets. Gotcha. So Um, Big Book meeting and and Philip, who was our first guest on the owl, was the one uh, who took you. Yes. uh Uh-huh. And they were talking about, oh man, they were, the whole meeting was on making amends. And... I came back from that meeting and my wife was on tender hooks, just waiting for me to come in. She's going, well, how is it? And 
I was, oh, wow, I'm getting emotional. Uh, I said, oh, man, they were talking about making amends. Um, I don't, I just didn't, I don't understand it. I, I don't have any amends to make. I was always a happy drunk. Oh. And she said, what about our wedding and uh, party? The wedding party, we got married, then we had the party afterwards, and it was the biggest drunken party known to man, which I always remembered and thought of as the best party that has ever been held. I had everybody, I had everybody out on the street, lining the street, saying it was on the 4th of July. So I had everybody outside singing the national anthem. And we, we I mean, everyone was belting it out. And, you know, I was leading everybody in a, having a wonderful time. I don't know what it had to do about my wife and having a life together, but it was a big time. And in fact, what happened was she was embarrassed because her family is Southern Baptist. And at one point, her mother was going around taking beers out of people's hands and throwing them in the trash can saying, you, you've got to drive. I mean, she, was, she finally shuttled them out of there. I didn't know I was, I did, until that moment, I did not know how my behavior affected other people. And that's what my neighbor said. You know, he watches every move you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is one of those, those many awarenesses that we get, but that's one that, that, you know, some of us are, are, are lucky to get early in recovery. Um, some of us get it when we start working the steps. That's one of the points. Yeah. The points of the inventory is to look at my behavior and I never looked at my behavior. And, and it's, and, and, but it's not just looking at our behavior. It's being able to see it from another perspective. It's looking at why I behave the way I behave. What what do I, what are the things that I'm doing that protect me, and they actually hurt? I actually am harming other people, but I'm doing it for protection. I mean, anger feels good. Hmm? Feels good to be angry, mad at another person, because you know I I had that recently had a. The, uh, was invited to be in an art show and I started working on paintings for this particular show. And I was nervous about the show because there was going to be some really good artists in there that I was going to be with. And I didn't call the guy back over the month that in preparation for it, it was so, about a month away from the show I had been painting like crazy. I was going to get one more painting done, give him a call. And then I saw him put an ad out for the show and I wasn't on the list. It was a group show and I wasn't on the list. And I was going, what the fuck? What am I doing? And I met, I got mad at him, of course. And it felt good to be mad at him because he disrespected me. He should have called me. Justifiable resentment, justifiable anger. Yeah, man. And I ended up having, I wrote an inventory and I looked at it and was like, why didn't I call him at any point? Why? It was fear. I, I was filled with fear over this thing because I was 
felt intimidated by the group I was going to be in. I sabotaged it myself by not calling him. Now, it would have been nice of him to call me and check up, but it really wasn't his responsibility. It would have been nice. But man, it, okay, I realized that. I wrote inventory. I gave it to God. I was like, okay, this is my fault. The next day I woke up, that fucking asshole. <laughs> it was like, no, wait a minute. No, it was my fault. Wait, no, no. And I, God, I had this battle in, within myself because it felt so good to be mad at him. And it felt so bad to accept responsibility for my part in it. I just didn't want to do it. And it was crazy. It was like my mind. It's like two minds. And have you ever had like two minds at the same time? One's going, yeah, you need to be angry. Yeah, but Don, it's your fault. No, he didn't. Don, I, I see a little angel and a little devil on either I mean, shoulder really? of yours. <laughs> really? It was crazy. So it wasn't like, it wasn't easy to let go. It's not easy to do. It was not easy for me to let go of that. And yet doing that led you that much closer to becoming a spiritual gas giant. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now, it's hard being human. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, but, you know, I mean, that's one of the cool things about this program is that it, it gives me a, a playbook, uh, a guide that it seems like some people that were like were born with this. Most of us, I don't think, really know how to do this, how to live life well. No. no. Uh, and I, a lot of us don't learn it, which is why we see so much conflict. But there are those of us who were driven to a point of willingness by alcohol or drugs. I think it's just surrender, Sam. Yeah. It's like, because what happened to me, and what, well, we were talking before we started recording. So why is surrender so painful? Because it was painful for me that day 26 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was painful to give up and say, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do what you people say. It was painful for me to say about three weeks later, I was going to get drunk and I decided to pray to the nothing that I did not believe in because the people in A were telling me to do it. It hurt to do that. <laughs> I don't know why that hurt so bad, but it was, it was the surrender. There's, it's like claw marks with me. Well, it is. I mean, so think about it. We, we ourself will run riot when we come in here. And some of us, when we, even while we're in here, certainly in the beginning for all of us, self will run riot is, is one of those phrases that describes us within our literature. And you know, what that means to me is I've got all the answers. And if I don't have the answer, I'm still going to make it look like I have the answers. And when I surrender, I am really, I mean, it is such a change in my thinking and my behavior. So tell me, say, I don't know. Surrender. Tell me one of the surrenders 
that you had so well you know you know my first surrender was in so many ways like is like so many other alcoholics uh it it hurt it it i was i was miserable no one's happy coming into their to aa um and i you know i didn't know what i was getting into i didn't believe that there was really this was going to work i just finally got that place where what I'm doing is not working at all. And my life is really falling apart. But then the second time I started, when I started over in 2012, that was the one I remember you in pain surrendering. It was absolutely a painful period, but I'm not, I'm not certain that the surrender was the painfulness the surrender to, I guess, I guess it was, I guess it was um, because what, I mean, I was holding on to, you know, that, that Buddhist principle of, of uh, that holding on to things is what causes pain or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. at that point I had almost nine years and all of that, that comes with having nine years, uh, including that perceived shall we say pedestal placement within the recovery community ego yeah was like completely shattered right. by my saying this is my new sobriety date but the thing is when i was sitting with david and scott uh in that hotel in florida at that roundup way late into the night having talked with them about what i had done and I said, today's my new sobriety date. That surrender was easy. The, the pain was from all of the stuff around it. All of the that ego. was coming back in again and losing all of that. So there's a lot of. But I think there's a, a clarity to, point, to, to, to make here. And that was I never left. Mm-mm. And that's one of the things that I want to make sure that people understand whenever I, I talk with them one-on-one or, or when we've got the opportunity to talk about it here. I was in AA way more active in AA than I am right now, today. I was active. I never left the program. I was sponsoring. I was being sponsored. I was doing service work. I was going to meetings. I was doing all the things. And I was doing poppers and diet pills. Yeah. And I could not be honest with myself when I said I would stop them and stay stopped. Yeah. And so when I sat down with Scott and David and owned all of that with both of them, the surrender was felt easy, but, um, the, but the repercussions it? of it, I guess were hard, were, were difficult. Yeah. I mean, when I came back, I didn't pick up a start over chip down there in Florida. When I came back home, I went to what was my home group and still yours now the way out that Monday night. Yeah. And I met with my sponsees and in one of the the small rooms in the church before the meeting and told them what had happened. And then four or five of us sat on a pew that lined the wall in that meeting room. Yeah. And at the end of that meeting, going up and picking up that chip was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. Yet another surrender. You know, surrender is full of surrender is full of surrenders. I think that's a point to make here. (laughs) Surrender is full of surrenders. Yeah. It's not just one time. Yeah. Like he does it. You have to give up and give up. But 
But you know what? I think so, like speaking about hosting a meeting every day and going to a meeting every day so that I'm like embedded in the part of AA right now makes it so easy for me to not have a way. And that is the answer to, to everything is to be available to what comes to me and then act on it rather than rail against the stuff that comes because it doesn't suit me. The world doesn't suit me. And I don't have any freaking control over the world yet. It feels like I do or I should, or I should, (laughs) (laughs) but when I'm in the middle and you know, like really working my program, I'm really surrendering. I'm doing my morning prayer and meditation. I'm doing all the parts I can let go. I can reach the point. Oh, I can't control this. This is something. Now this is something I can't control. I got to let go of this. Where can I be effective? And I can ride. It's like a surfer riding the crest of that wave. I'm going to fall off at any moment, but for a, for a period of time, as long as I'm doing all that stuff, I can, I can ride the crest. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to live. It is easier to live. It's interesting, though, that it requires a commitment and discipline it does. for me to live this way that makes it easier to live. Yeah. Okay. It's easy, but not hard. No, <laughs> it's not hard, but it's easy. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's simple, but it's not hard. <laughs> it's simple but it's not easy sam is that what it is (laughs) ton i think see this was my greatest fear this is why i was filled with so much fear coming into aa because i would end up a simpleton (laughs) and look at you now i'm a simpleton but you are you, you but you have one are one that has taken on gaseous form (laughs) <laughs> Let go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got a leak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a little leak, leak in my balloon. So I took some new action Friday. So two days ago. It's, it's really cool how all this stuff comes together. Into action. Into action. So I, uh, I talked with my sponsor Wednesday night. Thursday, I talked with a, uh, a former sponsee brother who uh, had moved to Charlotte. And that was a fantastic conversation. And then later, uh, I talked with a, uh, a friend who lives out in Palm Springs, where we're moving, mm-hmm. which was an interesting thing that he reached out to me to ask, because he wanted to ask me a question. Because while I was talking with my sponsor the night before, uh, one of the topics we, we brought up was me finding a sponsor when I get to Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things that I have found is that it's better for me not to choose my sponsor. I find, I, I ask someone who I respect in the way that they live their life and work their program, who they think would Ooh, make a good sponsor for me. I like that. And it works, it's worked really well. And so this, this fellow, Brian, I hope that once we're in Palm Springs, we can have on the show. Cause actually, I mean, we could do it now. Uh, yeah. we're doing this whole remote thing. Um, yeah. Brian uh, reached out to me and I was able to ask him because he is the person that came to mind when I was talking with my sponsor about this. 
Yes. And so instantly he was like, my sponsor is who I think you should talk to. And so I have reached out to him and we are going to have a conversation about it. It's, it's so just, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I was the last time I changed sponsors, I was just as nervous about it as I was the first time I asked someone to sponsor because I am worried they're going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. Well, so we're not to that point yet because <laughs> right now we're only going to have a conversation about sponsorship. <laughs> okay. Keep it at a distance. Keep it at a distance. No, I mean, that, that's what I do always anyway. I, you know, when I'm asking someone to, to be my sponsor, it, it, it's like, can we talk about some, you being my sponsor? Yeah. Not just, will you be my sponsor? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I do the same thing when someone approaches me and asks me, even if they ask me if, will you be my sponsor? It's like, all right, let's, let's have a coffee and sit down and let's talk about this. And, uh, and we Okay. Do. So you are nervous about it. Um, <laughs> you know, not really. Cause I know the man. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know the man. I, I, I think that, uh, it's one of those things that, I mean, I've, I've been through several sponsors now. What was it? Five that were not completely utilized prior to starting over. And then one, two, three, I'm on my fourth since 2012. Mm -hmm. And the commitment that I've made with, uh, to myself is that with every sponsor, this is since the restart, um, I will work the steps. And so the thing that is that I'm excited about working the steps someone else's way, because each person, there is something a little different about it. Yes. You know, it's a recipe for a cake, but sometimes you get a strawberry cake. Sometimes you get a chocolate cake. As long as I get a cake, we're good. And I know I'll get a cake with this fella, but I wonder what flavor it'll be. Yeah. Or it's like uh, looking at yourself out of a different window. So you get a different. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So I've got that conversation started. And then I also had a conversation with my sponsee here that it's time to start looking. You know, it's the first time I've had to have one of those conversations. Now, well, the last time I had to, was that start over when I had to tell my sponsees they had to find another sponsor. That's harder. That much harder. There would be some shame with that. This yeah, one, totally. Not with this. This one was, you know, flat out that it, it's time for you to, to be looking. He's like, oh, I, I knew that. And I'm like, I kind of figured you were not, though maybe not actively. You, you certainly had your ears open as to who might be person. And also the assurance of, you know, I'm not getting rid of you. It's just, this is what we do. I think it's good to have somebody local. I'll uh, agree. Yeah. And somebody that you see in meetings, if we ever go back to him and we will eventually go back to him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Meetings. Although they may be There's hybrids. nothing like having somebody in person. I believe that the zoom meetings and, and telecommunications can work but I still think it's would be good to see the person. Oh, Don, just, just give us what five, maybe 10 more years. And we're, we're going to be able to sit in meetings as holograms. Well, shoot, I'm going to just wait another 10 years after that. If I make it, my brain will be in a jar hooked up to meetings. There you go. I'll be able to attend meetings. From now on, you know, they, they, we, I've often heard it referred to uh, when someone in recovery dies that he's gone to the big meeting in the sky. Who knew the big meeting in the sky was actually in the cloud? Yeah, it's in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the cloud 
and in the jar of formaldehyde. <laughs> some electrodes hooked up to it. Wait, so does that mean your brain is finally going to really be pickled? <laughs> I can never go back. <laughs> A question for the old timer. You know, we do. It's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? You, you 26 year old. 26 years old. That's well, what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. It's still one day at a time. What? No, no sunny? Shunning. <laughs> okay, I didn't know you would miss it. Oh, it's so endearing. All right, this is from uh, Charlene in New York. And Charlene's got a very simple question, but it's not easy. Oh. What do I need to do to be happy like you all? Difficult, but not hard. <laughs> <laughs> let go and let God. Thanks, Sam. And what about you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's the yeah. staying in the place that we were just talking about. Staying in the place where I'm not fighting things that I don't have any control over. And it became easier for me. I hope other people don't have to go through this, but it, it is a common experience that someone who has uh, a life-threatening experience then values, at least for a period of time, <laughs> <laughs> the preciousness of life becomes crystal clear. I mean, you know, there's a saying that we have, we all have two lives. The second life begins as soon as we realize we only have one life. Yes. I can say that that happened with me when I had a series of strokes a couple of years ago and had to have the surgery that was dangerous. And the surgeon said, yeah, there was percentage, you, you, your strokes needed to get bad enough that it was worth the risk of the surgery because the surgery people, it can cause a stroke. And also occasionally we can lose someone because as he said, we have to reroute the bloodstream from the heart to the brain so that we can go into the artery. So we have to make an alternate route for it to travel along. We hook up another tube because cutting off that blood supply is not compatible with life. And I was going, what are you telling me? <laughs> we can what? rebuild him. So uh, it was scary. It was scary to have that surgery. And I had it, and sure enough, I haven't had another stroke. And he was confident that he got to the cause. Well, ever since that time, I'm letting go at a place far beyond where I was before. I know you've talked about your neighbor leaf blowing <laughs> and how upset you get. It's like, I don't care because it happens to me. You know what I've got going on right now is my backyard right next to it is an old garage from the house that backs up behind mine. And that garage, every Saturday or Sunday, 
they get in there and there is a rock band in there. I've heard it. <laughs> and they are loud. They are loud. And, and you're a musician. And I spent 15 years in a garage on the weekend in the <laughs> afternoon when it was okay because it was in the afternoon. It wasn't at night playing really loud. So this is payback. <laughs> payback is a oh my God. Well, you know, so the, the leaf blower bit, one of the things that we're getting, excuse me, two of the things that we're getting rid of uh, for the move is leaf blowers. Just give them to your neighbor. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, but I do feel it's like, I, 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 I feel this sense of uh, shame. <laughs> that we even have them now. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend, Buddy C, who's been on the program, yeah, he was talking in his podcast, The Tao of Our Understanding. That's a good podcast to listen to. This guy was talking about a spiritual principle where he says this, thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever to say that to everything. Thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. Oh, that sounds man. like one of those things to live into. It's like the uh, Fred T. I think I'll, I learned a lot from that guy, but I remember him telling his sponsee in the meeting one time, "Why don't you try not having a way for a while?" And I went, "What?" I mean, that's some, that's too advanced for me. <laughs> Try not having a way for a while. I thought that was horrible when I heard, I was two years sober when I heard it. Now I understand it to be the key to life is not having a way. I have no control over the world and all the people in it. And I'm available to what happens. That's the answer. And would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And, you know, that comes around to a, a phrase that I, way back when, when I first heard this, and it was choose your battles wisely. Mm -hmm. And what I thought that meant way back when, long, long time before I got sober, was don't be picking battles you can't win. Yes. What it means to me today is, is it worth it? And the price is so much different than what I thought it used to be. Um, but I'm still not. In everything. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I am doing that with, uh, with mi mixed success. Right now, leaf blowers are still a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's not it easy. And I got to tell you, difficult. leaf blowers and people not wearing masks is a thing. Uh, <laughs> I have that too. Yeah. So, but you know, there's, there's a phrase that, uh, that comes to mind. It's, um, Dr. Bob's prescription. Have you seen that, that prescription? No. Um, there, if you, if you Google it, you'll find images of it, but it's a, uh, an actual prescription pad document and, uh, it's Dr. Bob's and I don't know the legitimacy of it or not, but it's the prescription is simple. Trust God, clean house, help others. Mm-hmm. And that's yet another way of saying, you know, how do you be happy? It sounds um, facile. It does. But, you know, here's the thing. And, and when I first read that question, what, 
what instantly came to mind was we've got what 70 some 80 podcasts posted now you want the answer to that question there is the same answer in every one of those podcasts <laughs> but it's said in a different way and that is one of those things that i think is absolutely magical about alcoholics anonymous and other recovery programs too, because I've experienced it there. And that is, you know, the solution is the solution is the solution. But the thing is, I can have 20 different people tell it to me in 20 different ways, and I won't get it. And then number 21 comes along, and they say it the way I needed to hear it. Brilliant. Hey, did you hear what they said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Don? Yeah. Sam. It's been a while. Actually, no, I guess it's not been a while. I was going to say it's been a while since we've had a guestless episode, but we did have our little COVID-19 special that we uh, dropped in the middle of the, the releases. Yeah, um, but it wasn't just you and me. Um, well, no, that, that one was you and me. Yeah, that was just the two of us. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. When you get old, your brain starts to go, though. It's okay. I accept this. Time. You know, we ought to record a podcast with just the two of us sometime. Oh, we just did. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, it's the Don 26th anniversary special. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's good to talk to you, Sam. It's good to talk to you. It's good to see you, too. Yep. Hey, is that pesky out? Oh, watch out. Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Service. For everything, Sam. I have no complaint whatsoever. Oh, that sounds like that could be a uh, a new kind of like bless your heart kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might have to check your motive behind. <laughs>